You're listening to a podcast from Columbia Christian Fellowship in Columbia, Thank Pennsylvania. Thank you for listening to our weekly message. Our services are weekly to connect at with 10 us, visit our website we at hope blesscolumbia.org. excited to be here. Anybody else? I'm excited first of all because you're here and then I'm really excited because he's here. That's what makes getting together worthwhile. I mean I love you guys but him, his presence, that's what makes it worthwhile getting together. You love me back? Thank you. You love me more? All right. Chris, are we controlling from up here or back there today? From back there. Okay. So we need the introduction slide up to the message. Back a few. It's the slide after the worship image. Okay, well, what's on the slide right now is not what I'm going to be saying, so you've got to focus on me. Introduction to this message. It's a review of Acts chapter 20 last week, verse 22 to 24, and the title was Bound in the Spirit. Last week, God challenged us on how we were as believers to be directing our lives. Do you remember that? How we are to be no, you don't remember that, Dan? Oh, okay, and you couldn't listen to the podcast, there was no podcast, so you're exonerated, my brother. It's going to be a very brief review, though. Hey, God has been challenging us like crazy. Two weeks ago, it was get the hypocrisy out of your lives. You remember that. And then last week, it was we need to get the Holy Spirit into our lives. From the example and the teaching of the Apostle Paul, Apostle Paul and others, we realized our lives need to be directed and led by the Lord, by the Holy Spirit. Now Romans 8.14. For all who are allowing themselves to be led by the Spirit of God are sons and daughters of God. The question we need to ask ourselves are we allowing the Holy Spirit to direct and lead us through life? Or are we calling the shots with our own corrupt, sin-corrupted human reasoning? If we're calling the shots, that's trouble. That's why God gave us the Holy Spirit. He'll lead us through life. Please take this seriously. One conclusion we came to last week is this. God has been challenging us to bring our lives in line with his word and his desire for our lives and as we worshiped, we surrendered our lives to him afresh and anew. One thing I don't have in my notes, but I want to say, if you'll listen to this, because it's very serious. It's very serious. It's very relevant. Something God has been saying to us and to the church for a while. If we don't take care of the sin in our lives, he will. 
Much easier on you if you take care of the sin in your life than if he has to. So now today, there is some warning in this passage, but it's not going to be anything like the challenges God has been bringing us. This is more of an informational warning than a challenging warning. Phew. Right? So, Kateri, if you'll come to the mic. You weren't hoping I'd forget you, were you? The rest of us will stand. Honor God's word together, for it deserves to be honored. Do you know that there's a scripture in Psalms? I'll be with you in a second, Kateri. I'll make you stand in front of everybody. How's that? There's a scripture in Psalms that says God has exalted his word and his name above all things. He raises the exaltation of his word, that Bible that you read, to the level of his name. That's how important it is. He exalts his name. He exalts the word of God and his name above all things. Kateri's going to read Acts chapter 20, quite a lengthy passage, verses 25 through 38. And now I know that none of you to whom I have preached the kingdom will ever see me again. I, I declare today that I have been faithful. If anyone suffers eternal death, it's not my fault. For I didn't shrink from declaring all that God wants you to know. So guard yourselves and God's people. Feed and shepherd God's flock, his church, purchased with his own blood, over which the Holy Spirit has appointed you as elders. I know that false teachers like vicious wolves will come in among you after I leave, not sparing the flock. Even some men from your own group will rise up and distort the truth in order to draw a following. Watch out, remember, the three years I was with you, my constant watch and care over you night and day, and my many tears for you. And now I entrust you to God and the message of his grace that is able to build you up and give you an inheritance for all those he has set apart for himself. I have never coveted anyone's silver or gold or fine clothes. You know that these hands of mine have worked to supply my own needs and even the needs of those who were with me. And I have been a constant example of how you can help those in need by working hard. You should remember the words of the Lord Jesus. It is more blessed to give than to receive. When he had finished speaking, he knelt and prayed with them. They all cried as they embraced and kissed him goodbye. They were sad most of all because he had said that they would never see him again. Then they escorted him down to the ship. Good job, thank you. you may be seated. Thanks, Kateri. So the title of this message is A Final Farewell. And in the final farewell, there's a warning. There's a warning to the elders, and there's a warning to the church in Ephesus. This is now our fourth, and it'll be our final sermon from Acts chapter 20. Let's begin breaking down the text. I know that none of you to whom I have preached the kingdom will ever see me again. In addressing the elders and the leaders of the Ephesus church, the Ephesian church, 
Paul informed them that this would be the last time they would see him alive. So it became not only a final farewell, but a very emotional final farewell. Jump ahead to verse 37, which Kateri read for us. They all cried. They all cried as they embraced and kissed him goodbye. They were sad, most of all, because he had said they would never see him again. And then they escorted him down to a ship. They all cried. In other words, there was sorrow on both sides, not just on the Ephesians, but Paul and his companions. From Paul's perspective, he's saying goodbye for the last time to folks that he introduced to Christ. Then they were still unbelievers when he met them. Then he led them to Christ. Then they were raw, immature new converts. Then for three years he taught, discipled, and poured himself into their lives. Now they're leaders and elders in the church at Ephesus. From their perspective, they were saying goodbye for the last time to the beloved apostle, their father in the faith, so to speak. The one who brought such hope and drastically changed not only their lives, but their city, revival in Ephesus, their region. The seven churches in Revelation were started by the Ephesus church from the ministry of the Apostle Paul and his companions. Great sorrow on both sides in this final farewell. Side note I made for myself. Great sorrow at that moment, great rejoicing now, because my guess is they're joyfully serving the Lord together in heaven. Anybody out there with me today? Yeah. 26 and 27. I declare today I have been faithful. If anyone suffers eternal death, it's not my fault. That's a bold statement. If anyone suffers eternal death, it's not my fault. I didn't shrink back from declaring all that God wants you to know. Wow. Bold and confident. Paul's testimony and Paul's example to these elders and to the Ephesian church. I have been faithful. I have not shrunk back. You know, we just heard that recently. Very reminiscent of a verse earlier in this chapter, chapter, verse 20. I never shrank back from telling you what you needed to hear, either publicly or in your homes. Did not shrink back. Bold, confident in sharing the gospel, sharing truth. Never recoiling in fear or intimidation. Did not back off something that needed to be said or needed to be done. Never compromising truth. It's the way we're called to live as believers. Paul always told them, and anyone, he always told them the truth that was needed to be heard. He never shrank back in fear or approval of man. I better not say that. What will they think of me? I better not say that. I don't want to offend them. Back to 26 and 27. I declare today that I have been faithful. 
If anyone suffers eternal death, it's not my fault. I didn't shrink back from declaring all that God wants you to know. If anyone suffers eternal death, in other words, if anyone ends up in the lake of fire, a.k.a. hell. If anyone ends up in hell, it's not my fault. It was because they rejected my message. It was because they rejected the truth. It wasn't for lack of trying on my part. It wasn't for lack of sharing the truth on my part, the Apostle Paul. If they end up in hell, it's not my fault. It's on them. Just want to make a statement for all you guys, especially for you modest boys. You're young and your lives are in front of you and you feel invincible like all of us did at 16, 17, and 18. Because you're here, you chose to come. And now you've heard this truth. You're responsible for it. Anything you hear in here from God to his word, you're now responsible for. I'm going to show you in a minute the scariest verse in all of Scripture. And you don't want to be there. I didn't shrink back from declaring all that God wants you to know. Some versions declare I didn't shrink back from sharing the whole counsel of God, the entire word of God. I never shrank back from telling you the full plan and full purposes of God. I never shrank back from telling you and declaring the whole will of God. Paul was diligent and to share with them, proclaim to them everything God wanted them to know, everything they needed to know. It's important that we get the gist of what Paul is saying. No one could legitimately stand before the Lord. Hold on a second. I want to make sure you get this. Paul was saying no one can legitimately stand before the Lord and accuse him that they didn't know or they never heard this. I tried that. When I first got saved, I tried to tell the Lord I never heard this before. I never heard this truth before. It wasn't that I rejected it. It's I never heard it. Don't ever do that. Because the Lord will pull back the veil, the curtain, and he will show you every time he spoke to you and tried to draw you to yourself, to himself. And you rejected it. Instead of me getting away with telling him I never heard it, it was a season of repentance for not accepting it when I heard it. And he showed me sometimes I talked some of my friends out of accepting it. And to this day, as far as I know, they don't know the Lord. Here's the verse. On judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord. But I will reply, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's laws. That's going to occur at the great white throne judgment just prior to the sentencing of being cast into the lake of fire. That's what this is referring to. On that day, in that scene, the great white judgment throne of God, many will say to God, but Lord, Lord, they're trying to get in. They're desperate. They're trying to get in. But I'll reply, I never knew you. Get away from me, 
you who break God's laws. To me, this is one of the scariest passages in Scripture. You and I know people, I had a lot of friends back in the day who said they're going to hell and they didn't care because they wanted to because that's where the party is. I can stand here and assure you there is no party in hell. No party in hell. Hell is outer darkness where you can't even tell anybody else is there with you except for their screaming. It's no joke. It's no joke. But you and I both know people. I was one of them. We had a friend die. We'd have a party. We'd drink a beer to him because he's having the party in hell. And we didn't really care. That's not good. Our friends who don't care and know they're going to hell, that's not good. But this is infinitely worse. This depicts a crowd of folks who thought they were getting in. But didn't. This is a large crowd of folks who were depending that for some reason or another, they were getting in. And what Paul was saying in Acts chapter 20, there's going to be no one in that crowd in Matthew 7, 23, who's going to be able to legitimately accuse or charge me of not telling them the whole uncompromised truth. When I started in the ministry, I made a vow to myself and to the Lord that as much as it lies within me, there's not going to be anybody that stands in that crowd and can legitimately accuse me that Pastor Hub didn't tell me. Pastor Hub didn't teach us. I never heard it. I went to Columbia Christian Fellowship and I never heard it. Don't even try it. <laughs> Pastor Hub deceived us. Pastor Hub held back information that we needed to know. It's not going to fly. Back to the text. So here's the warning that Paul gave the Ephesian elders. Guard yourselves. I know that false teachers like vicious wolves will come in among you after I leave, not sparing the flock. Even some men from your own group will rise up and distort the truth in order to draw a following. Watch out. Now here comes the warning. This is the primary point of Paul's addressing the elders before he leaves. He issues this stern warning to them. He actually bookends the, the, the verses with the same warning. The expression, guard yourselves, which is at the beginning of the verse. The expression, watch out, which is at the end of the verse. They're different Greek words, but with essentially the same meaning. And what they mean is, you better be alert. You better be diligent. Don't be lulled to sleep. Don't be tricked by deception by humans or demonic forces. Do not be moved away from the truth of God's word. Do not take it for granted. Do not ignore it. Unfortunately, we see a lot of this in the church today. Complacency. Indifference towards the word, towards the will, towards the ways of God. Some of us might even be deceived into thinking that we're getting in. But that's not evidenced in our lives. We cannot allow this to happen at CCF. 
We cannot allow wolves in sheep clothing to get in and steal sheep and lead the church astray. We can't stop them actually from getting in because they'll get in. But we need to be very diligent. We don't let them have an impact or an influence. The ideal is they'll come in and they'll get so much of the word and the love and the body of Christ, they'll get saved. To the congregation, our elders have a lot of years ahead of them. But we are going to pass off the scene one of these days. And there'll be a change of administration. Especially those of you who are younger in the congregation, you have to guard the new leadership that you have to guard the church as new leadership comes in. You need to be alert. You need to be diligent. You need, to, you need to guard this flock from leadership that might lead astray. Why did Paul feel that he, need, he needed to warn the elders and the, of the Ephesian church and the church through them of this? Because there's an enemy. And the enemy is constantly trying to infiltrate the church. Where do you think the enemy is at work on Sunday morning? He's trying to get into the church. Or he's making the tires flat on your car. Came out this morning all ready to come to church. What? Flat tire. How to get a ride. I said to Deb, what's Satan's busiest day of the week? Anybody? Sunday. He is trying to keep you from getting to church. That's a whole different thing than what we're talking about here, though. We're talking about false teachers, like vicious wolves. They know what they're doing. They may be a little bit deceived, but they know what they're doing. False teachers, like vicious wolves, will come in among you. And this is scary. Even some men from your own group. Wow, beware of sheep in wolves' clothing coming in from outside the church, rising up from within the church. It's not that I want that, and I haven't really seen much of that, but this is Scripture. So we better be on our guard. We need to be on our guard. We need to watch out for this, not only our church, but our denomination as well. Right now, our church is being shepherded by solid leaders, by solid elders. Right now, our denomination, Christian and Missionary Alliance, is being led by solid denominational officials. And the thing that none of us are perfect, none of our elders, none of the leadership in this church is perfect, None of our denominational officials are perfect. But there's two things that God looks for that greatly pleases him, and it's present in both our church and our denomination. Do you want to know what they are? God is looking for folks who will exalt the word of God above all things and will exalt his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And as long as you keep those two things, the main things, God can work with the other stuff. So we're solid here. Our denomination is solid, but Satan is always on the prowl. You read Job. Where have you been, Satan, roaming to and fro on the earth? 
And then Peter says he's roaming to and fro on the earth like a roaring lion, seeking whom he can devour. And he devours those who let down their guard. Guard yourselves. Watch out. One further thought, then we'll close and have an application. Question. I'm hoping you thought this, asked this question. How are we to guard ourselves from, and how are we to be on the watch for false teachers? How can I guard myself, and how can I guard my church from these wolves in sheep's clothing, whom Scripture says are bent on getting into and are bent on infiltrating the church? Satan doesn't always just attack from outside. He tries to get in. This is another scary thought. Three scary thoughts today. He tries to put his people in the pews. What? I mean, this isn't like a refuge and a sanctuary. Well, it is if we're diligent and if we're being alert and if we're watching out and if we're on guard. The church is to be a refuge. It's to be a safe place. But we're not to be ignorant of the enemy's schemes. If he can, he will put his people in the pew. His people are bent on deceiving and leading us astray and bringing down CCF if possible. Now, the answer to this question is twofold. How are we to guard ourselves from and be on the watch for false teachers? First answer is by being and becoming thoroughly familiar with the word of God. That's why Paul addressed, his address was adamant to make it clear. I taught you the whole counsel of God. I taught you the whole word of God. I never shrank back. I taught you the whole will of God as found in his word. I taught you the whole plan and purpose of God as found in his word. Not only because it's good for you, for your own personal life, which it is, but it gives you a foundation from which to protect and guard yourselves and your flock from these false teachers. you got to know the word. If not, you're going to be easily deceived. The word of God is the first answer to the question. How are we to guard ourselves from and be on the watch related to false teachers? Here's a ready-made illustration in Acts, which we've already covered. Now, the Berean Jews were of more noble character than those in Thessalonica, for they received the message with great eagerness and... They examined the scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. Are you double-checking on me? Are you checking up, make sure I'm teaching you truth? You better be. When we have somebody preach, one of our elders or a guest speaker, that's not that often, but are we listening carefully and are we double-checking that what they're saying is true to the word? Thank you, Ray. Berea was one of those smaller towns in which Paul and his companions ministered. They started a church there. And more so than any other place, these folks thoroughly researched and examined the scriptures daily to make sure what Paul was telling them was true, to make sure what Paul was saying was lining up with the word of God. They weren't going to be deceived. It says they were actually more noble. They were of more noble character than some other churches who, listening to Paul, you're probably figuring, hey, I'm pretty, I'm pretty okay, right? 
But they were more noble than other churches that just took it at face value and didn't research it to make sure it was true. They were highly commended for their due diligence to the word of God, the Berean church, the Berean Christians. And you often hear people say, are you a Berean Christian? If you hear somebody say that, that means are you seeking, are you searching the word? A thorough familiarity with the word of God will guard each of us and it will guard our church from enemy infiltration. The second answer to that question is found in verse 36. When Paul had finished speaking, he knelt down with all of them and they prayed. Another way we watch out, we guard ourselves, we be diligent. Pray for your leaders. Don't take us for granted. Pray for your church. Don't take this church for granted. In these days, leaders and churches all over our nation are falling. Quick, quick story. Some years ago, there was a pastor in the Harrisburg area, and he had two close pastoral friends. One of his friends committed suicide. The other friend had a nervous breakdown and ended up in the hospital. And this guy felt that the Holy Spirit was saying to go see his friend in the hospital, so he went in to talk to him. And while I was talking to him, he heard the Spirit of God say to him, whatever his name was, he said, I have, how did this go? I have three pastors in this city that are not adequately covered in prayer. Two of them are your friends, the one who committed suicide and the one you're talking to. The other is you. Be praying for our leaders. Don't take us for granted. And be praying for our church. Don't take it for granted that we will just always say, automatically stay solid. And be praying for our denomination. In my opinion... Because of our stance on the Word of God and our stance on who the Lord Jesus Christ is and other things, we're one of the strongest denominations remaining. But we can't take that for granted that that's automatically always going to be the way it is. Satan, in my opinion, is trying very hard to infiltrate the Christian and Missionary Alliance and bring in false doctrine and move us away from our roots and our foundation in the Word of God. The thought in this verse is they knelt and they all prayed together. And from this, we're going to take our application. We're going to pray together. As many of you as are so inclined and willing, including any visitors that are with us or not regular attenders, I'd like you to come forward. We're going to gather up here. We're going to have a time of corporate prayer. You do not have to pray out loud. But by gathering up here, you're praying in your heart in agreement with those who are inclined to pray out loud. And once everyone has come, we're going to pray for our church, we're going to pray for our church leaders, and we're going to pray for our denomination officials. Everybody understand that? Then come. If you're willing to come and stand in agreement or actually pray out loud, come. When we finish praying, Sonny's going to take the band up and we'll close in worship. Just gather around.